Hi, I'm Daniel Johnson and this is Best Thing, the podcast. Each week we interview a different guest talking about the best things in their life. They've got five categories from food to travel, TV and film, music and something random of their choice. This week's guest is an absolute legend in my eyes. He's a singer-songwriter and the most soulful person that I've ever heard sing. Yes, it is Connor Reeves, the legend. He's had five top 40 singles. He was also nominated for a British Award for Best Breakthrough Act in 1998. He also supported Whitney Houston on her European tour. Now accomplished songwriter, he's worked with artists such as Artful Dodger, Joss Stone, Joe Cocker, and the legend that is Tina Turner. He's got brand new music out and I can't wait to interview him. Next up, Adam Harris's Fat Chicken and then interview with Connor Reeves. Hi guys, me Adam the Fat Chicken, uh, doing my fact checking service for you. Here's one. Did Coca-Cola ever have cocaine in it? Find out at the end of the podcast. <laughs> My guest today, I can't believe it, it's Mr. Connor Reeves. How are you doing, bro? Hey, Daniel. I'm great, thanks. How are you today? I'm good. Also, just embarrass myself by just calling you bro. Like, I don't know if we're there yet, but maybe by the end of this, definitely, it'll be fine. Definitely. We're starting, <laughs> we're starting as bros. That's, that's, that's great. I love that. All I great. Kind of love that. I love that. You are like, literally, you are the reason why I even decided to want to get into singing. I remember listening to your album, Earthbound. I remember listening to that song and Father Son and Read My Mind. Oh my God. Like, there are so many kind of remix really? versions that I used to listen to all the time. Literally, I am fangirling right now. I'm not sounding oh, cool, yeah. but it's, it's more about you. Um, okay. We're going to be talking about... No problem. We're going to be talking about your five best things, and we're going to be talking about food first. So when it comes to food, what are kind of your best things? Well, it's a kind of a weird one for me, food, because um, I've been on this thing called a ketogenic diet for a while now, because it basically turns fat, the fat on your body, into fuel. That's the theory. But you have to be into, this is going to sound really boring, but I just go to the gym, and I kind of like, Especially now when we can't go to the gym, I'm like, either I'm going to do loads and loads of cardio, which I just can't, I just hate jogging because the gyms, I used to do everything in the gym and now that they're closed, I'm like, well, how can I stop turning into a fat dad since, since lockdown, which is definitely <laughs> happening. I'm not doing, I'm not eating. We're anymore. all thinking the same. Oh <laughs> We're all God. thinking the same. <laughs> so a ketogenic diet is what I'm trying to sort of stick to, which is a high fat diet and a low carb diet. So that, that's kind of quite restrictive when it comes to food. <laughs> So if you're a foodie, I wouldn't recommend it. But I am discovering, you know, that you can get by without any very, very low. I mean, no, no bread, no rice, no pasta, no, no joy, basically. But no pizza, which is my favorite food. But um, yeah, so so that's how sophisticated I am. We always talk about um, uh, uh, food um, uh, with my friends and my family. And obviously we're not going out and we're not uh, going out to restaurants and we're cooking at home more. But you went into pizza and pizza is one of my favorite foods as well. I try and not to eat too much of it, but I do love it. Do you have like a, a pizza topping that you kind of go with? Do you have any favorites there? Well, I spent some time. I mean, I, I discovered that the sort of the joy of pizza by spending some time in New York years ago. I lived there for a few months. I don't know how they've done it. I guess I do know how they've done it because there's so many Italian immigrants that, that uh, started out um, in New York 100-odd years ago. So the New York pizza, to me, is the best pizza on planet Earth. I've been to Italy, not as good. I've had ones in London, not as good. And 
lately they seem that they seem to sort of be creeping people are sort of getting used to the idea or not getting used to but trying to find it's just a, it's just like massive flat like a dustbin lid sized pizza and you just have you just have one slice of it and that's it you're done and it's just and they kind of pick it up in their hand and they kind of curl it up and it's the best and I cannot find anything approaching that in London so I tend to um, the mother of my child is a really good cook and, and she's kind of she kind of gets it she, she, she does this sourdough base and makes it really flat and, and, and lean and crispy and that's the closest thing but as soon as someone comes up with a way for importing the Italian you know New York Italian pieces to London it's all over I'll be just eating that the whole time you get you get close to it in Bar Italia actually in London um, they do a takeaway pizza there which is pretty close but still it's not as good I don't know I don't know why no one's thought of doing a New York pizza in London. Maybe maybe this is, this is the thing that you could do, Connor. Bring it over. Yeah, <laughs> kind of soul pizza. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. Maybe it's in a better way of doing it. I mean, not to say, you know, that you should eat pizza every day, but actually if you're only having a slice or two, instead of now we order, you know, takeaway and we'll order a whole pizza and then we'll eat the whole pizza, yeah. you know, having a slice or two, actually that's normally enough to fill us up, isn't it, really? Yeah, I, I sound yeah. boring now. Actually, I want no, to eat I mean, the whole I pizza. Could talk, I could talk about pizza all day. Daniel. It, really, <laughs> it really is my favourite food. It really is. It's like because it's a treat food now. Because I only get it, yeah. you know, very very rarely. But it's um, it's like oh my god, when you when you know when you're really hungry and it's a, it's a day off, and it's also kind of ketogenic because it's high fat. <laughs> but but at the same time, it, you know, it's, it's definitely a cheap food. It's definitely not on the diet. But yeah, that's a. Uh, Bring New York pizza to London and you will be very successful. That's my that's my thing. Maybe you and I can start a little pizza parlor. I'm up for it. Get into it. Maybe you can find I'm definitely up for pizza. it. <laughs> hey, we're talking about that afterwards. I'm- I know what you're talking about as well, because I've been to New York a few times and I've had that pizza and it is just amazing. Okay, here we go. There's a question that people are very divided on, uh, which is, do you believe in pineapple on a pizza? Oh my God, I can't believe you're asking me that. Yes. H to the L to the yes. I actually, if I if I'm getting it from one of these kind of takeaway delivery places, I, I get a veggie a veggie hot one with extra pineapple. It's not even extra pineapple. But you've got, it comes under. No one puts that on normally. And so many places that they said like, you what? And I'm like pineapple. You know, you, you must have heard of it. They're like, you want that on the pizza? And I'm like, yes. And it's just such an amazing thing to have. I don't know. It's the sort of play of the sweet and the salt. In the pizza, it just works. I love it. It absolutely does. I'm glad that you're a Hawaiian fan. I, I am yeah. myself, to be honest. And a lot of people say that, oh, no, 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 I don't like that. I don't like that. Is there any food, we asked this question to one of our other guests, is there any food that you don't like? Well, I don't eat meat. Me um, neither. Oh, really? But I do eat really? fish sometimes me too look at that <laughs> it sounds like i'm just copying you know it's not <laughs> i'm not as literally what I do. i've only been doing it for a year but i've really enjoyed it yeah yeah so i, I tried because i lived in france uh, for for a, a few years a couple of years ago and being a vegetarian in the middle of or a pescatarian which is obviously the official <laughs> strict term for it but it was very difficult in the middle of like the french country countryside so after god it must have been 20 years of being veggie I was like, okay, this is happening. I've done my part. I've done my bit for the, for the calls, if you like. So let me try and get back into, because um, I really didn't want to be part of the meat industry. The meat industry 25 years ago was a very, you know, nasty thing. I, I don't know even how much it's improved, but I just thought, for my, for what it's worth, I, I'm going to withdraw from 
being part of that kind of um, thing and eating, eating meat. So um, after 20 years or so, I was living in France and I was like, I'm going to have to do this. I'm going to have to, because, you know, I, was got, I just got so tired of like um, cheese and I love cheese, but, you know, there comes a time when you don't want any more fromage <laughs> as the main component of your dinner. So I was like, okay, give me some yeah. pork and give me some you know, chicken and all that. And I tried, I tried to, and my body just rebelled. It was like, no, yeah. and, and I just couldn't eat. I just, uh, I couldn't eat the pork. I couldn't eat the... I mean, bacon was quite nice, but even then, it's very hard to get hold of that in, in, in rural France because it's kind of a British thing. So after just kind of um, trying to sort of take a few steps back into being um, a meat eater, my body was like, no, and, and I, I can't go back now. I can't go back. So I, I, I don't think I'm going to be eating. That's one of the foods that I won't be, that I won't be, um, you know, having probably ever again because my body kind of has said no. It's as if you maybe evolved beyond it or something. I don't know, but the yeah, texture probably. of it, it's like, ugh. And I was in, um, it sounds like I'm this really cool um, global um, traveler, but I'm not right <laughs> Yeah, now. keep telling me. But I have been, I have been, I have been, I do get a bat. And, and um, I went and did a tour in Southeast Asia, um, God knows how many years ago, uh, 20 years ago maybe. And um, in places like Thailand and stuff, they're very, they're seriously vegetarian. To the point where you order something in this amazing sort of cafe, and what comes out and like you know vegetable stir fry, please, and, and and it came with like what looked like and tasted like and had the same texture as meat. And I'm like, no, I said vegetarian. <laughs> and they're like, it is vegetarian. And they actually brought out the packets. I had this thing that was called fake, fake beef or fake chicken or something, and it was so real because they're so advanced because they don't eat meat in their culture that it actually had the same texture as me. And even then, I was like, do you know what? I can't. My brain was like, no, this is real. And I'm like, it's not real. Look, I see the packet. And brain was like, no, this is real. It tastes too much. So, um, yeah, sometimes sometimes even even stuff that is like fake meat is so like meat that my body's like, no, can't have it. So I don't know why that where that's happened. Probably from 20 years of not eating it. And now they've got so many products that can replace, like corn is really good. But if it's too like yeah. too much like meat kind of freaks me out a bit so uh yeah so we're gonna say that connor's probably best thing is when it comes to food it's pizza from new york and yeah. doesn't mind if it's hawaiian <laughs> yes absolutely that's definitely that's definitely you, my answer you've been all over the world so our next topic is going to be travel Connor, we're talking travel. Are you well-traveled? Do you sound it? Well, only because of um, promotion for my album, Earthbound, when it came out in 97. Um, the record company put me all over the place, which is great because we released in Europe and Southeast Asia. There seemed to be a, a particular sort of epicenter of Connerese fans in sort of um, Korea and Japan and, 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 and all these amazing countries like uh, Thailand and all that. And I got to see Bali and I got to see Bangkok and Kuala Lumpur and it was astonishing to me, Hong Kong. And uh, people would meet me from the plane with like garlands and film cameras. And I was like, damn, am I famous here or something? And it seems I was a bit. <laughs> so, so I got to, I got to, I mean, I think I got like a number one in Hong Kong with the song Earthbound. Wow. And, um, and it was, there was a South Korean soap opera that used Earthbound as its uh, theme tune, which I never got to wow. see. But, but for some reason over there they've got like they've got these amazing um, 
that's got, it's a bit like the Irish. They have music in their blood. I mean, God, there's people, there's like Korean singers. There's this, there's this, there's this group of guys called Korean Soul. And they do this kind of carpool thing where they sing gospel music on YouTube. And it's just so inspiring and amazing. Well, they've got a backing track on their radio and they're going along. And because I used to be in an acapella group, there were like five or six of us. And we used to sing in the undergrounds completely and do the harmonies and stuff. And it was just such a great learning experience and, and kind of, it was just magical, magical kind of experience for me. So I really love harmonies, vocal harmonies. And um, yeah, so in Korea, a little bit like, a bit, a bit like Ireland, it's like music seems to be in the blood. And some of those people, there's a guy called called uh, K. Will, and he did a version of my song "Ordinary People" in this TV studio, this band mm-hmm. and stuff. And I was like, wow! So they really take their soul seriously out there in um, Southeast Asia. So that was an amazing experience to see that and how how kind of different it, it, it is to London, which is I've never really been anywhere. Um, when I got my record deal. So it was a big eye opener. But to go back to your, you know, right now and into sort of 2020 and my, my, my travel dreams, I found myself the other day saying to my brother, oh my God, I really, it just dawned on me how much I miss London because of the lockdowns. And I'm like, God, it's been what, 10 weeks, 12 weeks, is it? And I just, it, it, it kind of creeps up, it creeps up on you how much how, I mean, I always think, I've always said that London is the capital of Europe, if not capital of the world. I think it's the most amazing, incredible, diverse, beautiful, brilliant city that, that, that exists. And I've seen a few now. But, my God, it's like, uh, I really, it's almost like subliminally, I'm like, why am I feeling a bit sad? And I know obviously the coronavirus has affected everybody in, in loads of different ways. But I, I kind of was able to um, identify why I felt kind of down. And it's because I miss London because so much of what my daily life was, I'd go to the gym and I'd go to, I belong to a gym, a chain of gyms that have got like God knows how many gyms all over London. So I'd never go to the same one for two consecutive days. So then I'd go from the gym to a cafe and do work on lyrics. And cafes give, re- London cafes give really good lyrics because you, you get to see the world. <laughs> I bet they do. You know what I mean? So that's part of yeah. my day. Part of my creativity when I'm songwriting, it's like the lyrics, the part of the process that take the most time. And so I'd have a different sort of backdrop or stage, if you like, to look at um, in different cafes. And I'd go to, you know, Waterloo. There's a really good cafe at Waterloo called the Waterloo Cafe, originally originally called that. But it's really it's really good. It's like a bit a bit kind of like working man's kind of cafe. Builders go in there, but you get to see life going by. I mean, you're writing lyrics. You, it's about life. So that's where I tend to do my lyrics is in cafes. And then I'd go to sort of another time I'd go to Spitalfields, Brick Lane, get some vintage clothes because it's really good for that and I like my vintage stuff. And then, then I'd go to King's Cross another day, which is like the city of the 21st. You know, it's like such a futuristic city. It's amazing and exciting with like um, Cold Drop Yard, I think it's called. It's just like all these amazing, it's like so many different kind of villages within the city. And and then German Street, you know, in Piccadilly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like yeah. Proper old school to James's proper old school kind of Georgian architecture. Just all these different villages, and then get on the boat another day and go down to, um, you know, the the, the the Thames Clippers and go down to Greenwich, which is a whole other experience in maritime it is, history. Completely. So each each of these little places would give me different out you know views to write lyrics to, and I really miss that. I really miss being able to go 
to these different, you know, you go into, I mean, you come out in a different, almost like a different world. You know, you get on, you get on the tube at Balham and come out at, not in Heel, and it's like a different city. And, and then, you, you know, you come out at different, come out at King's Cross and it's like you, you've just jumped 20, 30 years into the future. I mean, I just absolutely love this city. And that's the thing that almost more than seeing, you know, spending time with family because you can have Zoom parties and stuff with, with family so you can get to physically see them and interact. But I miss being in the different villages of London. That, that's a, my travel plan, my travel dream <laughs> Is I'm going to have a world tour of London when this is when this is over. I, I'm definitely going to be front row. Okay, so we can easily say that the best thing about travel is London for Connor Reeves. Yeah, yeah? that's that's my number one <laughs> destination right now. It okay, really next we're going to be talking about film and TV. Connor, so. You know, spending a lot of time at home, have you kind of got yourself into film and TV? You've been watching things on, you know, streaming sites and things that you wouldn't normally watch. Because I've watched some terrible, terrible movies. I'm going to let you know. <laughs> like, and, and I'm a fan of films, but I've been watching some rubbish ones. What about you? What's your TV habits like normally? Well, you know, it's it going to sound weird, but I don't have a TV. I don't possess a TV. I haven't done for, for years. So I, I kind of, um, I sh- I've been streaming for a long time and just watching sort of YouTube, YouTube sort of videos and stuff. But I, I, I'm on Netflix and so I tend to, I don't know, I was I was at someone's house, um, I, I don't know, before lockdown started and they had the TV on in the background and it's so weird when you're not watching TV for ages and then you watch TV, it feels very different to when you kind of are choosing what you watch when you watch it. And it's the adverts, yeah. they just see, I'm like, wow. It just seems like a different world that I haven't, I haven't sort of been part of for a long time. So I don't really, um, I don't watch TV, but I, so I pick and choose my sort of uh, films. And um, I mean, I remember being a kid when, you know, there was like just five channels and one TV in the house. So you, you, you didn't have much choice. Like, you, you know, you had to watch Coronation Street because that was mum, you know, that was mum's thing. It's like, oh, Jesus. And there's nothing else to do, but you have to, you get pulled into Coronation Street and EastEnders. So as soon as I could get my own, make my own choices, I was away from all of that. But, but yeah, films. So I tend to, you, you know, watch films more than once. If I love it, I watch it like three or four or five times. And I've watched, I'm the same. I've watched the matrix at least 10 times. That's, that's in my top three. Uh, Exactly the same. I mean, I have to say it's uh, it's one of those films that I feel like it's, if you watch it now, it was brought out in 1999. You know, it still holds up. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. So interesting. It's like there's a, there's a recurrent theme. I mean, my top three films off the top of my head are kind of The Matrix, Limitless, you know, the one about that pill, Bradley Cooper. Yeah. And Lucy. Yeah, Bradley Cooper. Yeah. yeah. And Lucy, Scarlett Johansson. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I course. love those three films. They are similar. Yeah. Because the, 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 I kind of I was thinking about this. Um, before and I thought what is it about those three th- films that are kind of why do I like them and there's there's recurrent themes first one is like all is not what it seems like um like in the matrix and uh, limitless and in lucy that it's like all is not what it seems in the matrix and I think all is not what it seems in reality you know that's, that's a whole other subject because we know that 
you know, physics, physicians will tell us, or not physicians, they're doctors. What do you call people that study physics? Anyway, smart people tell us yeah, that, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> that, you know, this table that I'm sitting at is mostly empty space on a, on a subatomic mm-hmm. level. So all is not what it seems every day of our lives. You know, that seems solid, but it's not actually solid. So that fascinates me and how, you know, how far that kind of reaches. So the matrix is the idea that the reality that we interact with isn't actually the whole story. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm very, I'm very interested in that on a kind of metaphysics, subatomic physics kind of level. And then limitless is about human potential. You know, this idea that you know, if you could take a pill that just unlocks uh, the brain, then you would become a super, a superhero, really, a super being. And Lucy, obviously, is the same deal, where, where she's becoming, uh, you know, she, she unlocks 100% of her brain, so becomes this superhuman being. And I really believe that we have. Everyone walks around um, just the tip of the iceberg who, about who, of, of who they really could be, and that's a main sort of it's a major sort of theme running through my songwriting and my. I just I just get the sense that we are so much more than we are actually expressing, and it's about getting at that more that is is kind of become a, a bit of a life study for me. It's like how how do you get to become the full you know, the full Daniel Johnson. It's like, how, how, do you, how do you be your full potential self? And those films kind of touch on that. So, yeah, they're films that I, I watch over and over again to sort of, uh, it just keeps that, I don't know, it just keeps me excited about my own potential. I'm going to say, actually, uh, when it comes to your songwriting, actually the song, we're talking about it with um, Adam Harris, who's on this podcast, and he said that Welcome to the Future, you were telling the future. If you look about everything that's going on right now, you listen to every single word of that song, it is still the same now. Without getting any like political or anything like that, it's you you pretty much told everyone what it's gonna be like, and it was. Well, I, I mean I don't I don't claim to be a prophet or anything, but but it just shows us that that um you know that song was written I think two thousand or something, or maybe early two thousands, I can't remember. But the point is that it, it just shows that it, if it applies now. It's because it's cyclical. It's like, you know, it's it, some of the lyrics in that song, like the president, you know, today on Channel 29, the president was telling lies. And that referred to Bill Clinton, you know, the most powerful man in inverted commas in the free world. And apparently Americans will tell you he was a great president in many ways, but he was telling a downright lie, looking into the camera. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. It's like, but dude, you did. You know, and it's like, you know what I mean? And it's like, and now you see Donald Trump standing there talking absolute. I'm like, is this, is this for real? It's just astonishing the way what's going on with, you know, he's saying stuff and then saying straight away, I didn't say that. And it's like, dude, you, you did say that. Here's the video clip of you saying that. So it's just, um, you know, it's amazing, but kind of sad that you get the, well, maybe not sad, maybe it's just human nature, but you get these, cyclical situations like virus makes another strand that was referring that that lyric was referring to i think it was sars or you know there's always a virus there's always there's always a new yeah. virus there's always a leader that's not really coming from a space of integrity you know and but at the same time that song the part the second half of that song talks about you know growing through that you know this is where this is a snapshot and it's kind of i don't really Play that song live. Um, I won't. Pl- I'm not planning on playing it live because it's quite kind of dark, and I don't really want to be the voice for what's wrong with the world. That was the stage I was going through 20 odd years ago, or 15 years ago. But it's interesting that you mention it because it just shows that 
societies don't really change much, even though the technology changes. And, you know, 20 years ago, the internet was like a baby. And now it's yeah. like this completely, you know, it's a whole universe. It's like our God, isn't it, really? It right really now. Is, yeah, yeah. It is. Yeah, it is, it is crazy. So I would say, kind of, your best thing about films is probably escapism. If you're going to go with the films that is kind of uh, mm. Matrixy, Lucy, and Limitless, but also the potential of opening up your minds and seeing how far you can come. And I think that's such a great message. Like, who is the? What is a hundred percent of Connery's? What's a hundred percent of myself? You know what yeah. I mean? And seeing how far you can push that, and I think that's really inspiring. Yeah, so yeah, that, that, that's definitely what I'm uh, where I'm coming from. Right, we're going to get on to one of my favourite topics. Yes, it is. Uh, music, I can't wait to talk to you about it. Next up, we're going to be talking music. Hi everyone, it's Bethia from Bethia's Beats. This week I have a band to share with you all called Celine and the Blue. They are a five-piece, female-fronted, soul, jazz and funk band from London. They actually supported me at my first ever headline gig, which was such a memorable one for me. And it was actually their first gig, which was unreal. They actually have their own podcast as well out at the moment. It's called Out of the Blue, so you should definitely go and check that out. Their latest single is called Learn to Be Alone, which is out now. Here's a snippet of it playing in the background. To listen to the full song, it will be played at the end of the podcast, along with all of the details of their social media and where to find the song, and that will be linked below. Thank you very much, and see you next time. Connor, I couldn't go without talking about this subject. What is your best thing to do with music? I mean, we could talk for hours, yeah, about this. Yeah, well, I've got a really, you know, a really broad range of of, of music. I, I mean, first of all, I just couldn't live without it. It's 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 like it's like oxygen to me, and and the high I get from listening to great music is just kind of what I live for. And hopefully, you know, I'm 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 trying to make some. I'm trying to give that same feeling back to people because um, I'm writing all the time and looking forward to releasing new stuff but um yeah I, 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 I get I, I, I get a buzz from things like I like voices I like songs that have got carried by really great voices so when I was 14 or 15 one of my uncles gave me um, Stevie Wonder's songs in the key of life and it just changed my world it just rocked me and it, it, it just it changed I think I think because of the lyrics, in, in, on that album, it actually, um, it was almost like having this uncle that was really wise and, and, and really good and rooted in a, in a, in a kind of, a, a, you know, serious kind of integrity and spirituality and just goodness and genius. And that really affected my development as a human being because Stevie's philosophy about God and about good, it just kind of almost subliminally bled into my personality. And um, that really taught me at uh, an early age, um, you know, the power of melody, the power of lyrics, the power of the human voice. So that set me on a course that, um, I mean, I was already writing songs before that, but that, that's how massive music has been to me. It's kind of, it's, it's kind of the blood, it's like the oxygen or the blood that runs through my veins, it's, it's music. And so finding stuff that makes me get that buzz, not everything makes me get that buzz. And I think there's a big difference between 
kind of like almost songwriting by numbers where, I mean, I listened to the top 20 Spotify yesterday, actually, because I love to keep my ear on what's going on. And I have to say, there was only about three or four things on that playlist that made me go, wow, that's cool. The rest of it was like, uh-huh. You know, so I know what's happening now is that we've all got, music's gone so tribal that, that you know, like when I was a kid, there was one chart, really. I mean, there were specialist charts, but basically if it was in the top 10, it was probably pretty damn good. Nowadays, I'm like, you've got all these different music platforms that have got different top 10. So it's all like scattered. It's almost like the kind of Tower of Babel thing for me, really. And I'm trying to find, you know, everyone's talking in different languages, different voices. And I'm, I'm a bit lost trying to find that buzz that I got when, you know, growing up. But it's still out there. You know, there's no less number of geniuses now than there ever was. It's just finding them is a little bit difficult. So I find that... I, I kind of come across them by accident and, and um, you know, I discovered like Tom Misch. I don't know if he's, I'm saying that right, but it's spelled M-I-S-C-H. This kind of funky guy that's like a guitarist, does kind of soulful stuff, love it. Um, I love yeah. Jose. He did Take Me to Church. But... He's Ireland. He's Irish, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, did, I did a cover of his um, Nina Cried Power because he's saying something, you know. I love people that are saying mm. stuff that's more than I love you, baby. Or, or I don't love you, baby. You know, I just think, yeah, and I get it, relationships, love and all that. But I just, sometimes I think, well, you know, I like to hear someone saying a, something a bit a bit different to that because it can get a little bit kind of samey. But, um, yeah, so that's why I love Jose. I love Kanye's Jesus is King album. I couldn't say yeah. that because I love gospel music. Great. And to have yeah, those two great. things. Yeah, I, I really, I know it's a bit weird. He says some weird no but i think i think okay you anyone can say that Kanye is weird and weird and they just go on the little things that he does but i also think that anyone who is a genius is probably weird i think that he just lives among us now and so we critique him now on all the little things he does more than actually in the 100 or 200 years when we look back those those music that piece of music that he does and he's created for not only him but other people will still stand tall and will still sound amazing everyone has edges when they can be a bit political or they can be a bit you know saying what's on their mind but i think it's only because they're around now and we can call them out on stuff it's yeah. you know I, I can imagine picasso or Vinci or you know all these people that tesla and stuff like that they all had weird edges and but they still still were geniuses. They just we can't ask those the question, you know, ask them the questions. When we yeah. when it gets talking about your music and 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 being in the industry and stuff like that, I mean, right at the beginning, you know, you you brought out your album Earthbound. Um, it, you got like five top forty, you know, singles on there. You know, on that you've had so far. You went on tour. You were nominated for a Brit. You went on tour with Whitney Houston. You know, you've worked with Josh Stone, Joe Cocker, who literally changed my life. Tina Turner, Artful Dodger, but like all of these things, did you have a checklist when it came to music or did you just go, I just enjoyed music and I like working with people. I don't care. Um, Cause it can get, it is a business, but I think if you stay with the music, allow the business to sort out itself, you know, how do you feel when it, when you've sort of looked back and you've done all that wonderful things, how does that make you feel? Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm always, I'm always chasing better. I'm always trying to become better. And, and I think with such heroes of mine, like Prince and Stevie Wonder, and you know Beethoven, Mozart, it just, you know, the list is huge and very, very varied. I think that, I guess what, what, what I think that there's a that 
pure inspiration is what I'm looking for. It's like you get to a point in songwriting, um, if you're very lucky, where it feels like dictation, where it seems to come from somewhere else, somewhere higher. And I think certain people, you know, I'm all about trying to tap into that place that's higher because when you do that work, when you kind of channel it, it feels like you're channeling something, then you just don't know when that channeling goes out into the world, it gives people goosebumps. It, it changes their life. It makes them think. It heals them. And I just want to be part of that process. It's a service that I'm trying to be, you know, to be honoured to be part of that service where you're taking something from somewhere higher and giving it back through you to everybody else. And I think that's what that's that's what that's what inspiration's all about. So, in all these situations where I've worked with people, or when I'm when I'm writing songs on my own, which is what I mostly do now, that's what I'm trying to I'm trying to kind of facilitate that process. And you, you know, I've got standards. I mean, I've kind of walked away from sessions where people are kind of going, no, that that will do. When we're trying to write a song, and they'll go, no, that's good enough. I'm like, look, dude. Good enough not, is not yeah. good enough. It, it's not as good as it can be. And I can tell the difference and I can see this potential and we haven't reached it. So I can drive people mad at people saying, this is done, this song's done. I'm like, it's not done. Look, that, that lyric is wrong. In fact, I had this cover, uh, this song, I wrote this song called Please Don't Turn Me On, which uh, Lifford cut with um, Artful Dodger. And it's been remixed by Disclosure recently. I've actually interviewed, I've actually interviewed him. Oh, yeah, really? Yeah. And, and that, that, that song came about, right? Yeah, 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 a couple of years ago. Yeah, and, and, and uh, I wrote that with Mark Kill from The Artful Dodger, and um, it wasn't finished. It was one day's work, and I kind of, because he was down in Southampton, so we went, went off and get back, in, I got back home and stuff, and was waiting to go back down again to do another session. And before I knew it, it was like, it's done, Lifford singing it, boo, because that was supposed to be me singing it. And then um, oh, wow. they kind of, his record company didn't want somebody that was known to be singing it so but the point is like i still listen to that record now and i'm like that's not finished that word doesn't yeah rhyme. it's not finished so it just drives me nuts but i couldn't i could have pulled it but my my people at the time were saying well you're going to get a hit out of it so does it really matter and you did. yeah yeah and no, that's great but you know if i would had my way 100 percent, i would have gone this is not finished and, and that's why i work a lot on my own now because uh, you know i get to decide where something's unimprovable and um, yeah, yeah so probably a pain pain in the butt to work with <laughs> but that's just hey not... i don't think i don't think there's a problem with perfection so when it comes to best thing about music what would you say it it, it is would you say it is a person would you say sort of stevie wonder kind of was the best thing yeah. in music for you at the beginning yeah, yeah i would say i would say stevie um as well as you know i love i love chopin massive massive fan of chopin because i studied classical piano and i put i put those people they did the same thing but just at a different time you know, if Prince was around Mozart's time, he probably would have been a rival to Mozart, but he would have been playing, yep. you know, the piano and, and, and you know, all, all these kind of um, the harpsichord and orchestrating operas. He would have been doing that. So it's just, you know, the, genius, the geniuses are still around like they were then, but they've just got different tools. So I would say as far as my greatest inspiration across the board, really, because it's not just about great melodies, great production, great songs. It's the humanity in Stevie Wonder. He is... He's the number one to me. He's my best. There you go. Connor Reeves' best thing when it comes to music is Stevie Wonder. Next up, we're going to be talking something random, and I'm very intrigued to see what you're going to say. (music) 
So, Connor Reeves, uh, you can choose something random. I have no idea what you can... Actually, I do know what you're going to say, but I'm really excited to talk about it. What is your something random? What's the best thing that's kind of keeps you ticking over? Well, this is definitely going to be out there. I mean, it's literally out there because it's UFOs. <laughs> and, or are they out there wow. or are they not? You know, that's yeah. the question. Because I've been looking... There's, there's been this, there's this film that I saw, um, I think, last year called Unacknowledged. By this guy called, oh. have you heard of it? It's, it's by this guy called Dr. No. Stephen Greer. And it's this huge expose, in inverted commas, about the kind of UFO, you know, tracking policies of governments that's been going on for decades. And um, wow. And this guy called Dr. Stephen Greer used to work for the government or some, in, in some sort of military capacity. And he's interviewed lots and lots of people who are kind of whistleblowers on the whole government programs about... Um, disclosure of, of, of uh, you know, all, this, all the records they've been keeping. And before this film came out, it's called Unacknowledged, um, suddenly the CIA went, okay, they knew it was going to come out. And they released millions of um, uh, documents. I mean, I think it was like, he said millions in the film, so I'm going to go with that. But saying, yes, we know that they're out there and we don't know what they are and here's all the records of it. So they've done a complete and utter U-turn after generations since Roswell of saying, like, there's no such thing and it was a weather balloon that crashed. Now they're saying, actually, there is such a thing and we kind of don't know what's going on either. So very, very interesting that. And it kind of happened um, without much kind of press coverage. It's like, no, wait a minute. America's just said, yeah, UFOs are real. And we we're as we don't know what's going on either. It's like shouldn't that be shouldn't that be like headlines? But people just went, oh right, yeah. Anyway, what's on what's on um, you know what's on the telly? So so since then he's done this other film called um, Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind, which is where okay, cool name. Which is, yeah, which is where he's kind of encouraging kind of personal contact with these ETs. And what he's saying is that there is an agenda. There's a government or like a sort of agenda of demonizing ufos to make it sound like they're baddies so that we can start hating on them so we can then get this massive global you know planet earth army one government together to fight off the interplanetary war that that might happen and that would mean there'd be one government with one set of rules you know non-democratically elected government and it's like i mean i don't know how far that i believe in all of this but it's certainly very interesting that what he's saying is like, think about it. How could they possibly be a threat? Because the, the distances in space are just mind-boggling, and this, you know, traveling yeah. at the speed of light means that it's going to take you like I don't know, like a, I don't know, like ridiculous, like a hundred thousand years to get to the nearest star traveling at the speed of light. I probably got that wrong, but in other words, it's like that. They must have found. We we can we can. We can fact check that, so don't worry. Yeah, about yeah, that. We'll find out. yeah. I got that wrong, but basically, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a flipping long way. The nearest star to our sun is Proxima Centauri. It's about 4.22 light years away, so at the speed of light, we'd get there pretty quickly, just over four years. But we haven't figured out how to go that fast yet, so it would likely take us at least 6,300 years. So clearly, these these uh, people or whatever they are have found a way of getting here a lot quicker than that so what this guy's saying is like come on if they if they were if they were baddies it would be game set and match over in an instance would just be a cloud of pink mist from where earth used to be because if they've got that much technology if they've if they've if they're hundreds of thousands of years advanced then they're clearly not baddies are they 
So it's an interesting thing to sort of, I think, over the last kind of year or so, a couple of years, that the American government, the CIA, said, yes, they're real. And it's like, wow, but we don't know what they are, they said. I think that's huge. It's huge. And it went kind of unnoticed. So moving forward, I just, I'm, I'm just fascinated by that subject. It's like, wow. And this guy, this uh, Sir, um, what's, uh, Dr. Dr. Stephen Greer, he's got an app where he kind of tells you how to um, make your own contact. He said there's thousands of people doing their own contact parties, if you like, and they're kind of meditating. And then they're sending out this kind of, I don't know, signal. It sounds nuts. But then you see these lights starting to appear and these, these kind of contactees. Yeah. And I'm like, what? Is this fake? Because if it is fake, it, I mean, it could be faked, I'm sure. But there's some things in this, in this footage. I'm like, how would you fake that? But, yeah, just absolutely amazing. You're finding that what's, you know, what's really happening out there is never, it's never reported in the mainstream. You know, the, you know, the leading edge is never crowded. There's never a crowd on the leading edge. It's like they're not going to put it in mainstream. So you have to kind of go into the sort of side roads to sort of find out these kind of things and investigate. And, yes, it could all be fake. It could all be rubbish. But what if it isn't? That's my question. What if it isn't? Oh, I've got like goosebumps just thinking about it a little bit. Um, I, I, I do have a theory a bit on when it comes to UFOs. And, uh, and, I, and I think that if there were people, you know, a, 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 I guess aliens that came to Earth, how many times would they come here? I don't think a lot. I think that they were, you know, I don't think that we would visit a planet multiple multiple times unless we want to kind of take over but also i think that we would well we would definitely send robots we wouldn't really send ourselves yeah we I mean, might not, it depends. you know if, what i mean if so you could, if you could visit and not be seen when you're visiting maybe that's true maybe that's you're visiting a lot of time because what seems to happen it, what they're discussing is the possibility of trans-dimensional travel so they're basically, you know, physics tells us that, you know, there's lots of places, there's lots of things that occupy the same field at the same time, but they're not visible. Um, so wow. if, you, if you had, it could be a different, uh, I don't know, dimension right here and now, and they can pop in and out of that dimension. So they're not traveling in the sort of 20th century, you know, or the 19th, 18th century. They're not in a spacecraft. No, not that, <laughs> exactly. They're kind of popping in and out of dimensions. So that could, I mean, there's so many, there's so much... Even if 99% of, of, of all these kind of stuff caught on camera is fake, that still leaves 1%. And if you look at like that's a lot. Project Blue Book, which is what the American government put a lot of, a lot of resources and time into, it's got so many, so many cases that they couldn't, you know, that are still left with a question mark. So even 1%, you're talking about thousands and thousands of cases. And you think about, there's this thing called the Drake Equation, where these really clever people got together. I think it was in the 70s and they worked out, they were like astrophysicists and they worked out how many planets out there in the known universe, which is obviously a lot smaller than it is now because it was like 20 or 30 years ago, uh, could have planets that um, that could, you know, have human-like life. And it was like 30,000 yeah. at that point. <laughs> and so it's like, wow, 30,000. And that's in the known universe. And times that by, I don't know, 1,000 oh, now. Infinity. Yeah, so <laughs> it's ridiculous to think that there isn't, there aren't other, you know, there aren't other, other species out there. So it's a fascinating, massive subject. But we just take, we're just taking a huge step forward in the last couple of years with the CIA saying, yes, we don't know what they are, but they definitely are. 
It's like, wow. It's, I, th- I think that's the best way of just kind of allowing people to go, oh, okay, you believe us. Okay, cool. And then we can look into it. Uh, Connor, you've been an absolute star. Can you tell us what's going on next with you? What are you doing? Uh, obviously, uh, may not be touring, but are you looking to go do some tours? release some new music what's going on yeah well I'm, I'm i'm working all the time and you can imagine i write i write a lot of songs so i've got loads sort of sitting there and we're just trying to sort of put together an ep and, and then hopefully followed by an album so um that's what i'm working on and um hopefully this year even that's going to come out and then as soon as lockdown is over definitely getting out there and seeing meeting people and playing for people and i'm continuing to do uh covers on my YouTube channel and stuff. I like I like kind of reinterpreting other people's songs, and um, yeah, I'm just writing and uh, just doing my thing. And where can people find you? So you're on um, you're on YouTube, you're on Instagram, Twitter. What are you on? Yeah, and Facebook, Connery's Music, and uh, um, basically Connery's.com. Connor spelled with an er. And usually Connery's.com is a kind of portal for all my social media things, and you can get to see what I've been up to via that. Perfect. Uh, we'll put it on the link below as well so everyone can click into it. Thank Connor, you. you're an absolute star. Thank you so much for being a guest on Best Thing. Um, so I'm definitely going to be there. And you can come and join us when we do our live version as well. Definitely. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, Daniel. God bless. It's time for the thank yous. Thank you so much to our wonderful guest, Connor Reeves. Thank you so much to Adam Harris, keeping us all fact-checked with Fat Chicken. And to Bethia Beats, bringing us the best in brand new music as always. The music in the background was written by myself, Tom Baxter and Jimmy Lundy. The artwork was created by JMD. It would be awesome if you could like and subscribe. To finish up, we've got Bethia Beats and her track she's choosing is by Selena and the Blue and this is Learn To Be Alone. Can I deal?
Hi guys, well done for getting to the end of the podcast, sitting through all that. Uh, did Coca-Cola ever have cocaine in it? Well, yes, when launched, Coca-Cola's two key ingredients were cocaine and caffeine. The cocaine came from the coca leaf and the caffeine from the cola nut, leading to the name Coca-Cola. See you next time. Thank <laughs> you.